Welcome to the Association of Insurance Compliance Professionals podcast. AICP serves the insurance compliance community by promoting relationships, exchanging information, and providing learning opportunities within a dynamic regulatory environment. You're listening to Insurance Advertising, the world of today and tomorrow with Katie Gurnett and Randa Zalman. Katie is the Compliance Manager of Advertising for Physicians Mutual Insurance Company and has worked in the insurance industry for over 30 years. She has experience with property and casualty, life, annuity, and health products from inception to marketing. Katie's advertising review team is responsible for reviewing all company advertising for compliance and working with the state insurance departments to gain approval. She is a past president of AICP and has held many positions within the organization. Katie is a seasoned presenter for seminars for AICP and the Society of Actuaries. She has been a guest lecturer for Creighton University and College of St. Mary in Omaha, Nebraska. She has a BS in math, an MBA from Creighton University, as well as numerous industry designations. Randa is president and CEO of Insurance Marketing Institute and is a recognized thought leader on the power and appropriate use of new media, including social media and digital placement, especially in regulated industries. In 2018, Randa received Marketer of the Year from the American Marketing Association, Nebraska Chapter. Along with her marketing responsibilities, Randa has earned the rank of Assistant Professor at Bellevue University, where she teaches marketing strategy and MBA programs. She actively researches, publishes, and presents. Well, I'm very excited to be here today with my, my friend, Randa, who's going to help us talk about uh, advertising, the great, wonderful world of advertising and insurance compliance. Um, this is probably, for me, the most creative and probably fun part of compliance, but it's also the most challenging part of compliance. I think, Randa, you would agree with that, would you not? Absolutely. Yeah. It's got a lot of uh, little nuances to it. The advertising laws are more gray than they are black and white, um, which I think leads to a, a, a lot of um, interpretations from different people. I know that Randa deals with that on her side. Where she's going to deal with the new world of advertising, which is social media. And it's even grayer over there, is it not? <laughs> <laughs> Always gray. Always, Always gray. gray. Always gray. So we're gonna we're gonna start off a little bit by talking about the current world. Well, it's not really the current world, but what we consider the old world of advertising in insurance. And and uh, uh, I think this is always a, a, an interesting thing because people see advertising all the time. We see it on TV. We see it on the radio. Uh, you get mail flyers. Um, those strange things that people used to call newspapers that are in print. And I, I know we have a bunch of people out there going, they actually print newspapers still. Um, what, uh, those are all things that are considered advertising. And in fact, another part of advertising is agent training, which is real different to think of it that way. But we all know, and Randa knows this too, is that whatever we tell an agent in their training comes out of their mouth later on during a sales presentation. So we want to make sure that they're trained properly also. So we do a lot of that review also. Um, but you ask, I'm sure, why Why do you consider it challenging? Fun, yes. We, we've seen the little gecko. Uh, we've seen the the duck and even that mayhem guy who's destroying stuff. Randa, what's your, what's your favorite one of those that, that make you smile every time you see that come up on TV? Oh, absolutely, mayhem, hands down. 
Hands down. Right. And it's like, <laughs> wow, that's, that's, a, that's an advertising for insurance. And we're all like, well, that can't be that bad. Those look like they're a lot of fun to make, a lot of fun to think about. But the reality of the situation is that all advertising, even the fun ones, are regulated. Uh, there are laws and regulations that mandate what we can and can't do. And in the case of of insurance, those regulations are even stricter. So for a soap ad, which I love Tide Pods because I think about how stupid people are later on when they use Tide, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I just can't help it. It makes me laugh every time I see those advertisements. But those are advertisements, this great, wonderful thing, and they're new and improved and everything else. Even they have certain rules. They can't be misleading, and you know they kind of have to tell the truth um, and stuff like that. But for um, insurance, those rules, there's even more of those rules. I, 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 I can't even guess how many rules we have. Can you, can you even have a guess as far as hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. and they're, and they're different, right? Randa from state to state, every state has, has different ones. And then you have to throw the federal government in on top of that. And then you throw in the fact that every line of business is regulated a little bit. So those fun ads we all like, mayhem, uh, the gecko, those are property and casualty ads, and those are different than the ads you might see for Medicare supplement or dental insurance. So we have to deal with that all as a compliance professional and know all those laws, not only on a state-by-state -state basis, but on a product-by-product -product basis. So it, it becomes very um, challenging, as I said before. So some of the things we deal with is that advertising for insurance since it is heavily regulated they have basically told us what we can and can't do but not in in uncertain terms again we're back to that gray in some cases they're just talking about it's misleading i know i can't tell you how many times we've had an advertisement disapproved and the state has said well we consider it misleading well how that's the only law you have on the books that it can't be misleading so again open to interpretation um, and so it's our job to make sure that we find ways to make those advertisements work. I know that Randa works uh, with marketing a lot, and we ask our marketing people to find new and creative ways to, to tell everybody about the joys and wonders of our new products and what they can do for the consumer. Right, Randa? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And we ask generally our marketing people sometimes are our are our bane of our existence. <laughs> is, is that a good way to put it, Randa? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's interesting. And, and, you know, we both giggle because we've both been in the industry for a, a, a fair amount of time. And so we've had an opportunity to work within so many different silos of insurance. So there's, you know, the advertising, marketing, communication side, there's the legal side, there's the compliance side. There are all these individual silos. And depending on, you know, the, the type of organization you work for, there are different levels of risk within each one of those. And so, you know, I can think of some really wonderful times in my career where all of these different channels and different departments have worked 
very well together, but then I can also think about some very robust and um, aggressive <laughs> conversations that have happened too, because, you know, we each have our own role to play. Yes, exactly. Um, I, I know even recently, we ha I've had discussions with my marketing people because they really love this idea. I mean, this is where compliance has to really play politician too. They love an idea. It's everything they've ever wanted in life. They know that it will bring in lots of money into the company because people will want to buy our products hands over fist. They will. They just love the idea. They've got everything set up. And then as they frequently tell us, we in compliance become the sales prevention unit and tell them. So uh, you will hear that term a lot in the industry, the sales prevention unit. Oh, yeah, that would be those people in compliance because they told us we can't do it that way. But the reality is we work to find ways that they can do it just not necessarily the way they thought they were going to do it. I always like to tell my uh, team that that marketing's job is to reach for the stars. They're going to want the entire universe. They're going to want everything. Our job as compliance people are to find ways that we can at least give them a moon. We may not be able to give them the entire universe, but we have to listen very carefully as to what their vision is and figure out a way within the laws and regulations within every state to, to give them that satellite. Would, would you agree with that, Randa? I think that's such a, a good way and positive way of putting that. I was actually given some exceptionally good advice early in my career when it comes to that, is that when you have two different departments, two different silos, that at least it feels like you have competing goals, the best thing you can do is to have really good communication and to assume good intent. Assume that the people that you're working with and working for all have the same goal of succeeding. It's just that the original path that you think that you're going to get there or to achieve, that just may be different. It may, it may be plan B, plan C, plan D, but it's still going to be for the benefit of the organization. That's a great way to think of it, because I think sometimes people get caught up into a yours, mine, and not the ours part. Yeah, territorial. Yeah, and, and we need to remember that it's we're here to make the company succeed. And um, as a compliance individual, we're also here to protect the company and also protect the consumer. And that's really what these laws and regulations about advertisement are for. These have been passed by states in order to protect consumers. Because what happens in the insurance industry is that if we let people just, and I'm not saying that companies would do this, but we've seen it happen where they, they don't, people don't quite understand what they're buying. Insurance products are complicated. Even the, even the simplest insurance product is very complicated. And so we have to make sure our consumers understand what they're buying. And our advertising people also want to make it sound pretty and that somebody wants to buy it. So the laws have come about to make us as compliance professionals make sure that we are telling people the good, the bad, and the ugly about that product. And we have to tell the bad and the ugly in such a way that it doesn't scare them off, okay? And so, you know, the good is, hey, this is, this is why we love this product for you. We think this is a good product. It's going to make your life better. We think it'll really help with your, your future. And that's, that's what the good is. Well, but then you got the bad. 
The bad is, is that, hey, we're not going to cover everything you want to cover. There are exclusions. There are limitations. And we have to tell you about those. And then there's the ugly. And the ugly a lot of time is, hey, this is how much this cost. Okay. And here's uh, some waiting periods, by the way. And, oh, yeah, in order for you to keep this policy in force, this is what you're going to have to do. So the states really want to protect consumers and make sure they understand what they're buying. And that applies to any of the advertising we do. Now, some of the lines are more regulated than others. Property and casualty doesn't tend to have as many rules. But when you start getting into what we call the senior market, that's anybody about age 65 or over, 60 or over, um, they start becoming far more protective, the states do. And so things like Medicare supplement, which is mainly sold to older people, or even dental coverage to older people, we have to be very specific so those people understand what they're buying. Because we don't want to be stuck at the back end with a very disgruntled consumer and somebody who's not happy and who ends up making a complaint with the state insurance department and who has found a way that, hey, we're going to talk to a bunch of other people and we're going to get a class action suit together because you lied to us. You know, the old switch and bait that you used to hear about. Well, you promised me this one thing, but when I went to buy it, I actually got something different. Um, people, when it comes to insurance, don't pull any punches. They tend to file suits against it, and they want to make sure they're covered. Because when you go to the doctor and you've had this very expensive procedure done and you think you're covered by your insurance because the advertisement that came out said you were going to be gloriously well taken care of, and you find out that you're not you're going to be a bit on the angry side. So you're going to want somebody to pay. So you file complaints, you file lawsuits, um, get enough of those, the state steps in. And then when the state steps in, they start leveling fines. And this will become more important as Randa will explain a little bit later about when we start talking in the world of social media. On the fines, states tend to fine people based on how many times you've sent out an advertisement. How many impressions do you get on TV? Well, if you think about it, if you send out an advertisement that just isn't quite right and the states don't like it and they fine about $1,000 per instance and most places who mail out stuff, mail mailings of about a million pieces, you're talking some pretty hefty money there and probably a company going out of business. Um, You've seen, we've seen, I think, Rand, you and I have seen fines lately for some bigger companies that we know of where they got fined a million dollars just because they weren't completely clear as to what type of insurance they were selling. Um, and so that becomes very problematic. Those laws are there for us to look at. So that's why it's so important that those, all those things come through the compliance area and you have to know your states. You have to know the federal laws. You have to be able to pick up those nuances of what we can say and what we can't say. And in the old world of, of print and TV and radio and um, flyers and things like that, that was even easier because you had a little more room to put some of that stuff in there, um, all those disclosures and limitations. But in our new world of social media, we don't always have that ability to do that, right, Randa? We have to find different ways of getting that message across. Would you agree? 
Absolutely. The the challenge for so many marketers is that we're so segmented in our media viewing right now and the different channels that each one of us want to receive or at least are open to receive those messages. So that puts an additional challenge on marketers to be able to share information not only in a way that is more open and more accessible, but also people are expecting their messages to be shorter. So to your point of, you know, regulators are obviously and understandably concerned about consumers being too vulnerable or not making the right decisions or or being victim of scams. But is it possible, you know, just to, to throw a social media example out there, can we put all the disclaimers in a tweet that limits our characters to 280 characters? That's That's tough. And so those are some of the issues that that our industry is facing right now. I Yeah, I would agree. And we're finding new ways to do that. I know that we ourselves have developed a process where the states have approved what we call a one-click process, where all those limitations and everything are one click away from that tweet. Um, so they can click through it. That, sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't give it still doesn't give enough information up front because our marketers want that information up front to even be more robust. Uh, Randa, what do you see as the biggest challenge for social media right now? Since that's really where um, most people are getting, I would say the majority of people are get, starting to get their information. People want to see their advertisement through Facebook, through Twitter, through, believe it or not, Pinterest, uh, YouTube, all of those things. What, what's probably the biggest challenge there? I think hands down, our biggest challenge in the insurance industry is really the legal ramifications of absolutely everything. I mean, if you think about it, we have in our own industry, because we are so highly regulated, the number and variety of sources of law that we have to consider. And and I'll say this too, this is a little bit of a, a soapbox from my perspective, but Compliance isn't just compliance's responsibility. It's it's marketing. It's legal as well. There is no single comprehensive source for us as insurance advertisers. We, to your point earlier, we have state law. So we have advertising laws and regulations. We have unfair trade practices. We have different types of record retention that we have to worry about, privacy protections, data collections. And then we also have this other layer of federal law. So you have the FTC, you spoke of the SEC one-click rule, we have FINRA. Some of those things are good guidance, um, but then we also have things like IP infringement, which is trademark, copyrights. So there's just so much in terms of what to be aware of, but then you also introduce like the nuances of having to involve several internal departments who may read a particular regulation or a note from a regulator and interpret the information differently. And then you also have this layer of um, different types of risks. And so that's legal risk, that's brand reputation risk, even technical risk. So there's just a lot to, to consider when it comes to a lot of the legal challenges that affect compliance, that affect marketing, that we all have to kind of keep top of mind even before we start to write that Facebook post or before we start to write that tweet. Well, I think you brought up a, a good point, the whole point of interpretation of certain laws and regulations. Um, what we all battle is not just that interpretation internally, but when we have to send these, a lot of these uh, uh, 
advertisements have to be sent through the state insurance departments to be approved by their department before we can even use them. And that means they get a chance to change our creativity, to change what we want to do. But some of that is just based on that department, that current department's interpretation of their law. And Mm -hmm. that's where sometimes the frustration comes in too for people is we have to be very aware of what's going on on those state levels within those departments as far as what do we have to know. That's why we spend a lot of time building relationships with those state insurance departments. We make a lot of phone calls to regulators to talk them through and especially, and I'm sure you've run into this, Randa, state insurance department are not as tech savvy as the general public. <laughs> well, I, and Katie, I may add on to that too, because you raised some extremely good points, but I would also say speed is the enemy of compliance. Oh my God. And yes. No, I say that with love, but it, it, all of those factors on top of, again, especially in a social media world where we may need to have a quicker turnaround that that impacts all kinds of things within the process and procedures that we normally have in place. Yeah, I would say that's the biggest difference between the old way of advertising and the new social media world is the old mm-hmm. way of advertising. We can we can work on a um, advertising piece for six or eight months sometimes if it's a new creative idea. Social media is there's that turnaround. We have agents out there who want to post things right now, right, right. now, and. And that's the expectation. And I'm assuming any of our audience out there, they have Facebook. When they're ready to post something, they want to put something on right now. They don't want to wait for somebody to tell them they can. They don't want to wait for a state insurance department to say, yes, that's okay to do that. Um, I always think of the story, especially though on state insurance departments, is that we used to have a gentleman, we used to have to call him and tell him to turn his computer on to read his email because we had sent him an email. So, um, and that's at the state level, but you add to that, that their laws have not been updated to take into account the nuances of social media. They're they're very archaic. Yes. The laws themselves, they thought they took care of it by just adding the word web everywhere into their (laughs) laws. And Randa's here to tell you that that doesn't always take care of everything, right, Randa? (laughs) That's exactly right. Um, it just it it um, it causes a lot of angst for us as compliance people because we really want to try these new platforms and these new ways of advertising, but we got to make it work within the framework of the laws the way they are currently written. And so a lot of times that takes education. We are not just compliance people; we become educators and teaching them what the parameters of those social media platforms are. Uh, I'd be willing to bet, Randa, you know exactly, like you said, how many characters are you need in a tweet, um, what you can, how big anything in Facebook, a Facebook ad could be. Would you say that's a fair estimation that even though you're compliant, you've had to learn this tech stuff on top of it all? I think I think that's um, table stakes now for absolutely everybody. And I would say not only just for the producers, but I think that's probably another challenge that we have for regulators as well, is that even though people may not be on social media themselves, you know, a, a personal decision, whether to be on Facebook or Snapchat or, or LinkedIn, what have you, you still have to be familiar with the functionality of what that platform provides you because it's it's hard to enforce regulations and understanding how they affect a consumer if you're unfamiliar with what that functionality is. And just to give you a, a quick example of that, 
um, this this was several years ago, out of fairness, just to give you a, a time frame on it. I was working with a regulator who was fining one of the insurance companies that I was working with. And on Twitter, they Twitter has this functionality where they give you suggestions of who to follow. And that's just something that is automatically populated by this particular platform. So, for example, if you're a news junkie and you tend to follow, you know, your ABC, NBC, CBS, it may show up another news resource like MSNBC or something as a suggestion to follow. Well, somebody had taken a screenshot of that and reported it to the Department of Insurance saying that this particular insurance company was actively promoting this news platform. And that wasn't the case at all. This was something that is part of the functionality of Twitter. And so we had to go a couple of rounds with the Department of Insurance to explain, look, we have absolutely no control over what shows up in this particular section of a news feed. And so it took a lot of education on our part and patience with the regulator to make sure they understood what we we're and we're not in control of. I think that's a, an excellent point because we are not in control of so much on social media. Would you agree? More and more so. Um, the algorithms that each platform has um, is really more and more dependent on the actual consumer and less on the actual brand. Which is why it's so important that we review our ad itself to make sure it's compliant and know how that social media platform works, correct? Exactly, exactly. And and something as little as like sharing an image, I, I try to convey to at least our clients in particular, it's so important to put your logo on any of the images that are that you're sharing, because you don't know at what point that image may get separated from the copy that you associate with it. And so if that image gets um, saved or um, becomes searchable or is within Google Images, you need to be protective of not only your copyrights, but your brand management. There's so, there's so many more nuances to protecting what that is because we're having less and less control over it. I remember one of the first times I heard you speak, you talked about brand management itself, which is a compliance. I don't think people understand that that's a compliance issue. Part of our job is to protect our brand, and that means making sure that our voice is true and that somebody else doesn't not they don't steal our brand, but they can <laughs> they can misuse it, I suppose. You know, we see memes show up that way, uh, things like that. But I remember you talking about some of the viral stuff that can happen that you have to be aware of uh, as far in, in this new world of social media, that things go viral very fast and can destroy everything that you have worked on. And it happens very quickly. Um, it's always one of those things, maybe it's just Murphy's Law, but it feels like the things that you don't want to go viral, go viral. <laughs> and so as a marketer, you just have to be careful about what you're sharing, how you're sharing it, and truly understanding how that can be interpreted from the consumer or the example I gave just a little bit ago, how your information can be separated. And so if you're not having the complete context of what the advertiser was actually intending, that unfortunately can sink the boat. We, we see a lot of this when it comes to um, HR policies, um, people saying something out of turn, and unfortunately, the ramifications 
are no longer just on that individual. They're starting to be company-wide. And so that's something that organizations have to take into account is if you deal with something that has gone viral very quickly and in not a good way, do you have the, the processes and procedures and policies in place to do what you need to do? Right. And, and, can, and here's the question I know you get asked every time of a marketer. Can I make something go viral? <laughs> no, you cannot make something go viral. There are certainly things that you can do to help it out. Um, but that is just an interesting kind of study in sociology and, and what taps into the zeitgeist at the right time. I know, I know my marketers always say that, say, we want this Facebook ad and we're hoping, we're hoping it goes viral. And I'm like, well, you can hope and pray, but I, 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 don't, <laughs> I, know that, so I don't know that we have any control over something like that. <laughs> right, right. Um, what would you say is, is probably the, um, the most fun thing that you like dealing with social media from a compliance standpoint, that a compliance person coming in, that, that would make them want to, to, to look at this as a, as a choice and, and something that's fun to do as far as a career? Okay, so I, this is going to sound so nerdy, um, especially my, my fellow marketers are going to roll their eyes at me, but I really do love the opportunity, and I'll say challenge too in the most positive way, to work with compliance people who really do love their job and who are passionate about marketing. For example, some of the best teams I have worked with have been teams who, and this is on both marketing and compliance side, who have just been open to having a conversation. Like, for example, on the marketing side, if we're releasing or launching a new product, we may want to travel down the path of a certain approach, talk about it from a lifestyle perspective. And I love sharing that with compliance folks. And the compliance folks that respond to that in the best way possible won't say no. What they'll say is, how about we look at this a little bit differently? Or how about we consider X, Y, Z? And it's really that that back and forth and kind of rolling around in it that I absolutely love. And I couldn't do that and I couldn't be more creative unless I had good compliance people to work with. So just that that synergy, and I hate to use that word, but just that camaraderie of all of us just being in it together is just one of my favorite things ever. And, and I do think that sometimes people do not give compliance enough credit for being creative. Um, I truly believe that creativity is in all of us, but I think compliance people show it every day, not just trying to find a way to help marketers get what they want, what to achieve their vision, but the very fact that we have to find different ways to explain that vision to different regulators in different states from different backgrounds that we try to, like you say, try to help you find a way to get that moon, maybe a couple moons, you know, maybe, maybe even, a, maybe even a, a very large satellite thrown in there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think we're exceptionally, it, from my standpoint, and I've worked in all different areas of compliance, I've done policy, I've done advertising, I've set rates. Of all of them, advertising really stretches that creativity muscle for me. It helps me see things from a different vantage point and find ways to problem solve. And I think that's the big point with advertising compliance is that you're really looking to problem solve and to find a way to push that envelope so that you no longer have it 
um, you know, an, uh, uh, an eight by 10 envelope. Now you're up to an 11 by 12 envelope, which has a lot more ideas in it. And, and listening to a lot more people uh, find new ways to do that. I think it, it, it is a very interesting working relationship with marketing and being able to do the compliance part of it and find ways to help them find the success they're looking for. So well said, Katie. I, I, again, I go back to the assume good intent. I think the, the teams that have struggled with having that good communication, that good relationship, have been very territorial about it and have bristled at when other folks have tried to explain what you can and cannot do and those levels of risk. If you assume good intent, then you just know that the other person is trying to help protect the organization, help protect the jobs, help protect the consumers that, that buy your products. I think there's so much more positivity that can come from that. Agree. I agree. And, and sometimes we are the sales prevention unit and we own that. <laughs> We're good with that. We, we understand that comes with the job. Sometimes we have to say no. But we say it very nicely, very nicely. That's right. So that's right. We don't, no, we with don't, a smile. That's right. So we don't hurt any feelings. Um, <laughs> any anything else you would like um, our our listeners to to know about, especially the social media side of it, uh, Randa. On the social media side, I think what I, I want to convey to a lot of folks, particularly people who are kind of entering um, their careers in insurance is that social media can be incredibly powerful and it can be incredibly influential and that there is a lot of good that can come of social media. There are a lot of things too that you just have to be mindful of. Um, having those conversations, particularly with C-suite audiences, um, your executive management, um, as social media is going to become um, more regulated, I think, in the future, um, be ready to have those conversations. And then also just be ready to have the conversations of, um, and you mentioned this earlier, Katie, in terms of DOIs, when they start to impose fines, um, be mindful of what you're sharing, how you're sharing it, because those fines are starting to become based off of reach. So the number of people who've had an opportunity to see your advertisement and frequency, the number of times that they've had a chance to see that advertisement. And unfortunately, those fines can be crippling. So again, not to be a negative Nelly about it, but I think it's just important to understand that that social media is very powerful. If you're not participating in social media, I think that's very detrimental, but also understand kind of the the rules and responsibilities that come with it as well. Yes, I agree. And I think also the other thing I have constantly have to tell my marketers is it's not free. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you will hear oh, that goodness. from your marketers all the time. It's like, Hey, we can send this email out to 10,000 people and it's free. No, it's not free guys, because there's a lot of work that still goes into that upfront before you can ever send it out the door. You may not be paying postage on it and paper costs, but it is not free. So, and it's got the same import and same weight as anything in print. So we have to be just as cognizant of what we're doing with those pieces as we do with anything else. So I think that's really a good point. So as we learn more, and there's going to be more and more of that coming up, I, I see social media doing nothing but expanding and exploding. And as we get more and more people who are younger, who understand it even better, I see it even going further. So 
I, and that's both on this, uh, even in the state insurance departments, we'll hopefully get people to see the import of it. So, well, Rand, I think we've covered a lot of ground. I think, uh, I think we, we got them all covered. We got social media. We, we, we've settled all the world's problems around advertising, and creativity <laughs> and compliance. So um, any last words you would like to, to uh, give anybody? I would just say good luck. I, I wish everybody well in uh, their career in insurance and advertising um, and compliance. Basically know that, that social media can be kind of the great equalizer. And it's just a fantastic way to have a direct relationship with your customers. So do consider it. Do make sure it's part of the marketing mix. And I wish you all well. Thank you, Randa. And and don't forget the print stuff still here to, uh, to say too, because there's old folks who are not giving up their paper. <laughs> So well, thank, you. thank you, Randa, very much for joining me. Uh, I'm glad we got to do this together. It was a lot oh, of fun. Thank you very thank much. Thank you. Thank you.